Welcome to the Covenant Life Center podcast. We're so thankful that you chose to listen to this message. To get more connected with us, you can look us up on all social media at CLC Victoria and download our app. Now, here's this week's message. If you will, grab your Bibles, stand to your feet. Let's get into the Word of God, and I'll explain this further to you. So these palm branches we're handing out are nothing more than a reminder to you to never forget to praise God and lay down your best to Him. That's all that is. That's all that is. If you got your Bibles, you got the Scripture. If you don't, look on the screen. Are you ready for the Word of God? All right. Say, I'm ready. I'm ready with you. Here we go. Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 says, Now when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethsage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them, bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord has need of them. The Lord has need of them. And immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which is spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey. Daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you. That just jumps out at me. God gave a forewarning. He gave, he gave a heads up to the, to the region. Let them know ahead of time the scriptures being fulfilled. God was trying to tell them something. You know... God can use anything at any time to prove to you that he wants to come into your life. You know that? He'll give you a sign. He'll give, start ministering to you. You'll start feeling the drawing of God's spirit. And God always lets us know when he's coming. And so the scripture says that they brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them. So all they had in that moment to honor the Lord was their clothing. So as they received the beast they the disciples put their clothing on the beast now in in olden times when they had kings that were being honored the king had a mule and the king would lay would lay his his royal apparel for the donkey or the mule and it would be significant different and unique to anyone else's but all they had was their clothes and then they put the clothes on the animal, and then also it says, and a very great, verse 8, and a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches of the trees and spread them on the road. In other translations, it says palm branches. Palm branches was one of the highest commodities that they had at that moment in time that they used palm leaves and palm branches for, for woving and for sewing and for building and for thatchets and whatever they had available to them at that moment, they used it as a source of income and as building material and so it was very it to them it was like it was like you and I taking taking good for us men it's like taking good firewood that you can barbecue with and just using it to burn trash now Jesus wasn't trash but they took something of value and laid it at his feet that they all that they had you understand what i'm saying They took something of value that they had in their life. My point is, is that sometimes you have to use what you have. And this is all they had. 
And then they said this, then the multitude who went before the before and those who followed cried saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. That was their praise. That was their praise and that's what they were doing in the moment as an introduction to the, not the coronation really, but it was somewhat of a coronation to me when you look at a king about to be crowned. They go through a process. There's a procession. There's something that that precedes that one moment and this is the first time in the scripture where Jesus literally came out to the world and said, it's okay. Other times he said, no, don't let anyone know who I am. But this moment was close to his moment of the cross and his crown where he said, now it's time for me to come into Jerusalem and let everyone acknowledge who I am. And he accepted it because he was fixing to be crowned. It was his coronation. And he had come into Jerusalem. All the city was moved saying, who is this? So the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. That's who that is. I want to encourage you all this Sunday morning. I want to help you. We, we want to help you. I always like to say we because it's always me and the Holy Ghost. I couldn't do it without him. And I love the fact that when we come into this house, you can feel his presence. I love the peace that's in this building. I love the grace that's in the atmosphere. But more than that, we want to be able to talk to you and help you encourage you, enlighten you, give you some scriptures and let's study for a moment. Let's teach so you can engage with that unseen force that we call grace. So you can engage with something that will change your life today. We're going to give you keys today. We're going to give you some things that you're going to take with you from this service and you're going to apply them in your life and you're going to see a difference by what you're going to learn today. I want you to turn to someone and tell them you have to praise him by faith. You have to praise him by faith. Are you ready for the word? Everyone say, God bless this service. God bless this message. And Lord, touch Pastor Bobby and my neighbor. Amen. Amen. Give God some praise and you can be seated. We love to praise the Lord, don't we? I think every Christian should love to praise God and learn how to really engage with with what the Lord's doing in your life in that moment. Sometimes you really can't find where God is. Sometimes you really can't identify with someone else in their life where he's at. Sometimes, you know, we just get in this place where we say, God, where, where are you? Where are you? Why aren't you in this problem fixing it for me? Or why aren't you in my life working with me? Or why did you allow this to happen? It's never God's desire for us to go through and be the victim of circumstances. Um, really, it's not his desire to, to put us through the ringer or to, to keep us down. We go through trials and we experience life, but, but to the child of God, those experiences should always strengthen, make you wiser, make you stronger. 
and help you see and find your identity in Jesus. So, so everything we experience is meant to make us better. When you have God in your life, the scripture says, all things will work together for your good because of who you have in you. So, so really, the response to that question that we may ask ourselves about where is God, the scripture says, God dwells in the praises of his people. A lot of times what we say out of our mouth that's contrary to maybe what we should be reading in the scripture, or, or let, let's say it like this. Many times you and I, all of us, will have a problem and then we will speak the problem and complain the problem and pout about the problem and the problem never changes. It just gets worse, but it does feel good, doesn't it, to complain and pout. And I mean, I'm not the only one that's not going to be a hypocrite this morning and say that sometimes it just feels good to say the wrong thing. Okay, I guess I am the only one. I mean, sometimes it's your flesh gets sufficed in that moment. But how many of you are thankful for the convicting power of God that talks to you and comes on you and, and directs you and teaches you and tells you that if you'll change your language or you'll begin to see me in it, before I'm in it, I'll show up. Or you feel that, you know, all of this isn't doing any good. Why am I still falling into it? Why am I still dealing with this? Many times it's because, number one, you have to realize this is not my point, but you have to realize in your mind that you are in the image of God. You are in the image of God. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, you are in the image of God. Now, I'm not saying God has dyed blonde hair our God has, he's six foot four, six foot five, five foot one. I'm not saying God, like you look like him physically, but the nature that you have in you is come, has come from him. The nature that you possess inside of you, the human reasoning, the wisdom, the understanding, the ability to step away from yourself and evaluate yourself and look, that's a God-given thing. Animals don't have that. Animals don't look at themselves and say, oh my God, I look like a dummy eating this eating my poop, whatever they do, right? Isn't that the grossest thing? I mean, I tell my kids, don't let the dog lick you. <laughs> don't know where that tongue has been. <sighs> Just saying. Humans aren't like that. Humans know the difference. You and I know what's right and wrong. We know that sometimes we mess up and say things we shouldn't and do things that we shouldn't. Well, my point today in this introductory is going to be simply you have to verify and you have to analyze and filter the things that come out of your mouth. Everyone has bad thoughts. Everyone has things they wrestle with. But that doesn't mean you have to engage with it. And it doesn't mean that you have to allow a bad thought to build a nest in your mind when it flies by. You can allow it to pass on and think on something better and let God inhabit that place. Because what you have in your heart will come out of your mouth. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What's so absolutely phenomenal to me or what's really surprising to me and what, what I find interesting about this portion of Scripture is that when, when they looked at Jesus coming into Jerusalem, he wasn't anything or anyone that, 
that would maybe represent um, royalty, right? He, he didn't come in with the king's mule like, like someone like, like when David uh, was coronating Solomon. Remember that? In Solomon, look at this. First Kings chapter 1, verse 32 says it like this, that the king said, King David said, call me Zodok the priest, Zadok the priest, and Nathan the prophet, and Benaniah the son of Jehoiada, so they can come before the king. And the king also said to them, take with you the servants of the Lord, and have Solomon my son ride on my own mule. Take him down to Gihon, and there let Zodok the priest, Nathan the prophet, anoint him king over Israel, blow the horn, and say, long live King Solomon. What an introduction. What an introduction. The king said, I want you to take all the priests. I want you to take the horns. I want you to give him my mule. I want you to let him ride on my transportation. And I want you to let him go down into the city streets. And I want the people that are closest to me, that people know that he has been certified qualified, ordained, and chosen by me. I want the people closest to me that represent me to go and make the announcement, and I want the people to shout, long live King Solomon. What a royal introduction to his calling. Jesus didn't have all of that. Jesus had the common man. Jesus wasn't like everyone else. Jesus wasn't someone that we looked on. He didn't even have that kingly look to him. The scripture says it like this. When we looked at him, he looked like a common man, nothing to be adored. Listen to what it says about him. Isaiah 53 says, for he shall grow up before him as a tender plant. And this is speaking, the Isaiah, Isaiah the prophet is speaking of, of, the, of the identity of Jesus physically and, and also who he was spiritually and as a root out of dry ground because he came out of Jerusalem in the areas that were dry. He was hope. He has no form or comeliness. And when you see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by man. In other words, when people saw him, the, the, the identity of what they thought he was went along with it. They thought he was a, 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 a derelict. They thought he lived in heresy. They thought he was a guy who just was trying to be somebody but wasn't somebody. And he didn't have the look. He didn't have that certain stately look about him, but there was an anointing in his life. But when he opened up his mouth, there was something different about him. When he began to teach, no one taught like him. When, whenever the, the men came to him, Nicodemus came to him by night, he said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher sent by God. No man can do the miracles that thou doest except God be with him. They knew that God, the Father, was with Jesus. They knew because he carried something different. He may not have had an army following him or preceding him that day in Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. He may not have had the king's mule. He may not have had the royal apparel. He may not have been like, like Mordecai, who, who, whom the king wanted to honor. And Ahasuerus told Naaman, and told, told Haman, 
He said, go and get my, my mule. Go and get my ride. Go put the royal robe on him. He wasn't like that. Jesus came in with borrowed clothes. He came in with riding on dirty clothes. He rode in on palm branches, the only thing that was free and available in that moment to those people that were there. They gave him the best they had. But the biggest difference between Jesus' entry into Jerusalem and every other king is that Jesus had their hearts. Jesus had their hearts. How do you know this? Well, because they took what they had and their own belongings. Have you ever heard anybody tell you, I would give you the shirt off of my back? Well, that happened to Jesus that day. They gave him the best that they had. And it wasn't, it wasn't politicians. It wasn't stately people. There weren't people there, and, and, and the high priest weren't there. The priest, ceremonial priests weren't there. It, no one in particular. These were common people. How many common people do we have in this place here that God has saved? How, how, many, how many people in here that you know, you know if it wasn't for God's grace, you wouldn't even be in church today? But, but God, how many of you used to be foolish in your mind, but one day the wisdom of God and the love of God found you and gave you some direction in your life? And people may think you're crazy sometimes, but you know who you follow and you know who Jesus is. To them, he's just a man who came out of Nazareth of Galilee and rode on a donkey. But to you, he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And nothing and no one can stop him. He is the mighty God in Christ Jesus. He is Alpha and Omega. Do I need to go down that trail? He is the beginning and the end. He is the chief cornerstone. He is your victor. He is your king. I'm just telling you that, that to them, to them they knew because these were the people whom Jesus healed. These were the people whom Jesus raised back to life. Their children open up blind eyes. He's the one that touched them. They were in close proximity to him when he walked through. I don't know who was in that crowd, but I know that when they saw him come in, there was something that was working in their hearts to shout out, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And to top it off, they identified him with royalty and they said, blessed is the son of David. To them, he was their king. And guess what? To them, he became their king. To them, he became their king. That's what's so, so important. Point number one, I've got to convey this to you right now and tell you, point number one to you today, write this down. Write this down. You have to use, praise uses what you have. Praise uses what you have. What we're going to target today is this thought. If all they had was their clothes and the palm branches and their voice, to honor the Most High God, What makes us think, or why do we feel we can't praise him with much more in our lives? They didn't have as much as you and I have today. 
we are really blessed. We are truly, truly blessed. I got, I got to tell you, back then, they didn't have Volkswagens. They didn't have Fords and Chevys. They had chanclas. That's why they had foot washing back then. Because they would wash the feet that traveled, and they got dirty. They didn't have Reeboks. They didn't have Snickers. Snickers? Did I say Snickers or Sneakers? Sneakers. They didn't have any kicks. They had what they had, and they were limited. But yet, they had faith. We have so much. They didn't have a 24-hour emergency center. They didn't have walk-in clinics, right? They didn't have doctors like you and I have today. We're so blessed, aren't we? But they had to depend on Jesus. It was either Jesus healed them or they were going to die. It was either God was going to touch them or we were going to die. And they had no choice. The problem, I don't want to be a naysayer, but I, I, the problem we have in America is we have too many choices. That's just, that's just it. The bottom line is, is that we have too many choices. I don't want to get off on a negative note, but we have to come down to the real reality of our life is that you and I have too many choices. Our biggest challenge of the day sometimes is which TV show should I watch, right? That again, oh my God, it's the devil. The devil's not it. It's not the devil. I can't believe that. Our biggest challenge sometimes is what restaurant can we go to that has a small line in it or doesn't have a baby crying right next to us when we're trying to enjoy our meal, right? You know, I love babies, but I love them quiet. <laughs> our, our biggest challenge is what should we wear today? I can't wear that this week because I wore it last week. Before I came to church today, I asked my wife, when's the last time I wore this? She said, I think you wore it a couple weeks ago. I said, all right, I'm good. <laughs> Is that too soon? I don't know. Maybe some of you don't only wear it just maybe just once a month. You're closed. I don't care. I just, pff, I wear the same pants every day if my wife will let me. <laughs> Let's go. Got time for all that. You need to iron it. It'll straighten out during the day. <laughs> too Latino, man. I just... You know, I'm going to sweat today, babe. Don't worry about it. If you see me out in town and I'm wearing shorts and chocolates, please don't judge me. I'm just laid back like that. I just am. I like to work. I like to stay busy. But, you know, when I was growing up in church, I went to a church where everybody, and I've said this before, and, and listen, those of you that come to church in suits and ties, you look good. You look good. Everybody looks good. Okay. I think you look great. But I was raised in the church. If you didn't wear a shirt and a tie or a coat, then you were hung up. I'm just kidding. You, you, were, you weren't supposed to go to church without wearing that kind of stuff, and I couldn't afford it. So I would, I would go shopping in thrift stores. Oh, I still love thrift stores. I, still, I don't mind walking into a thrift store and finding a shirt that costs 100 bucks and buy it for 10 bucks. I'd have got some, I mean, maybe there, but I'll get rid of it. Got a steamer at the house. Somebody may have some dirty pits, but I know that's why they got bleach. I know. Maybe that's just because I was raised. 
I was raised, and my wife and I, when we were married, we didn't have much, and we learned how to depend God. But I also know, and here's my point, I also know that our praise in that time of our life was stronger. Our praise was stronger because every time God blessed us with something, there was more gratitude for it. We just didn't have like, you know, when somebody gives you something, you ever been given a gift by someone and you think to yourself, oh, I got two of those already. It's, I love it. Do you have the receipt? <laughs> All right. If I ever asked you for the receipt, I'm sorry. We have too many things. But when back then, when somebody gave me something, I'm going to tell you, and even now, today, this morning, someone brought me some, some salad dressing this morning, and in a bottle, there's a certain type of salad dressing I like to eat. They brought us a bottle. I'm like, praise God. I had a little shouting praise, praise break in the office before church today. I, because I know what it's like. How many of you understand where I'm coming from this morning? What I'm trying to tell you is, don't forget where you came from. Don't forget how you used to pray before God blessed you the way he did. Don't forget to praise God the way you used to when you had nothing. I mean, you know, when, when God would bless me with something... I didn't have it, but God made a way for me. I'm going to tell you something. I would in that moment say, praise God, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, because I was grateful. I've learned now, no matter what state I'm in, I've got to be grateful all the time for what God's doing in my life. I got breath today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I can see. I got to wear glasses, but I can still see. Thank you, Lord. Better than being blind. And no offense if you're blind, but the truth is, is that even then you got to be grateful for something. You can hear, you can talk, you can walk. We take for granted so many things, but you have to use what you have. Praise uses what you've got. If all you have is your integrity and your character and the passion for God, then that's all you need in your life to see God move. That's all you need. If all you have is you and Jesus, one with God is majority. That's all you need. Little as much when God is in it. I love the fact that they took their palm branches and laid their clothes down and gave Jesus that grand entry into Jerusalem with what they had in their possession. And I think God just requires the same thing from us. He's not asking for extravagant gifts. He's not asking for, for the royal apparel. But God is asking for is your heart. He's asking for your faith. He's asking for words to come out of your mouth that's going to acknowledge who he is in your life. They were calling him the king. They were calling him the son of David. They were calling him royalty, and there was nothing royal about him. They were calling him royalty, and there was nothing physically to the physical eye. There was nothing royal about him. But they saw him in a state that their faith took him to. That's what praise does. It helps you see your circumstances, the way God does. Praise is more powerful in a moment in your life when you don't feel God. 
When you don't feel God, that's when you need to praise him. It's so easy to praise God when you feel him, but God loves it when people praise him when they don't see him, when they don't feel him, when they can't uh, determine where he is. You know, he just, like Job said, I look to my right, he's not there. I look to my left, he's nowhere to be seen. I don't know where he's at. All I know is he knows the way that I take. He knows the way that I take. And praising God doesn't require someone to have a beautiful voice. Now, I know some of you, we'd rather hear you say, sing tenor, 10 or 15 miles away, but we'd love to hear you. Some of you want a solo in church. My recommendation is, okay, sing so low, no one can hear you. I mean, look, guys, not everybody's called to that. I wish I could sing. I can't sing. I try to. Not everybody has it. But use what you've got. I'm going to give you a scripture in a little bit that proves that to you, that everyone is called to praise God no matter how you sound. If you've got breath in your body, you are meant to be a praiser. We need to infuse praise again in the church. I mean, praising him when, when, when things need to go right because God will inhabit that praise. Sometimes God can't bless you until you start praising him. You know what praise is? Sometimes, let me help identify praise for you again. It's when you simply tell God who he is. You tell God who he is in your life. You thank God for who he is in your life. You're telling him. When you are sick, you praise him as the great physician. When you are broke, you praise him as your great provider. When you need direction, you praise him for being the wisest king, the wise God, the eternal God. You, and, when, and, and if, you're not, if you're not doing it by faith and you're just simply going by feelings, you'll never get it. I got to tell you, sometimes I just don't feel like praising him. But I start talking about him, start talking to him, and then it won't be long. I'll start feeling a little bit of something. You know, I don't know if you know what this is. I don't know if any of you have that going on in your life. Well, I'm going to tell you something. When that comes on you and you feel something stirring in your spirit, you know, they, that's why the scripture says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with the wings of eagles. That's what that is, eagle wings. And they shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. And this is where God comes into your life and God begins to work in your life and starts doing stuff for you. They started praising Jesus when he was on a donkey, when he was on a colt, when he was riding together and he didn't have anything royal about him. I'm repeating this because I want you to grab it. You have to see Jesus for what he wants to be in your life, not what you don't feel. You have to. <laughs> you have to. Luke 16, 10 and 12 says, He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. He who is faithful in the least is also faithful in much. 
That means that goes either way. See, he's talking about money in this area. He's talking about mammon. If you read the scripture very closely. But you read further and it says, And he who is unjust in what is least is also unjust in much. Therefore, if you have been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what another man's, uh, in what is another man's, then who will give you what is your own? So he's trying to tell the church here, listen, it's all about stewardship and doing the best with what you have. If you've got a little, then give him a little because little in the hand of God is much. If you don't feel like you can give God much praise, you need to give it to him anyways. God is going to bless what you give. He'll multiply the little that you've got. He's a good steward of If you're a good steward of that. That's why no matter what you're feeling or what you're going through, no matter what you're experiencing, you have to, if you can just get a one, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You don't even have to sound out loud. You can say God is good. You can say you're so good, God, like this. If that's all you've got, God hears it. God will respond to that. If that's all you have, keep on saying it until you have convinced yourself, until the feelings go away, until you start feeling God come to you. The Bible says if you draw nigh to him, he will draw nigh to you. The scripture says that blessed is the man whom the Lord chooses to approach him. That means that God is involved in your engagement. That means that God is involved in that relationship. God wants to spend time with you. And many times it's just some things that block us from getting to him, but nothing can stop him from getting to us, but him, but us, but us. Because if you just keep on, Jesus, thank you, Lord. I'm going to thank you anyways, God. I don't care what it looks like. I'm, you're, you're greater than this. You're mightier than this. It won't be long. You're going to be saying, look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. He healed my body. He touched. He saved me just in time. You don't know that song, do you? You weren't raised in old school church then. I tell my kids, I got an old hymnal from back in the day. I hand it to my kids and I tell them, learn these songs. Don't ever forget these songs. Pray these songs. Sing these songs to yourself. No matter how technical we get, no matter how advanced we are, you can never forget where you came from. Never forget where you came from. That's why young people right now, you've got to build a legacy. You've got to build a, a, a foundation in your life and get some solid principles in your life and get an experience with God. That's why it's so hard to convince somebody that God is real if they've never had an experience with God because you have to taste and see that he is good. God is real. He's alive. God is strong. God is mighty. God is faithful. Here's what you have to do. You have to make him Point number two, and the last point is this. Make Jesus king so he can reign in your life. 
Make Jesus king so he can reign in your life. There's a misconception out there in the religious world and in the church. Some of us believe that God is in full control of our life, but yet we never give him control. I'm about to burst your religious bubble right now. You ready? I know you blew it up real big. You're proud of it. You want to show everybody, but I'm fixing the... If you have not surrendered that area of your heart to God in your life, if you have not, are you ready? Repented of that thing in your life, God can never have control of it. That's how you give it to God. And then you focus on the replacement. He is always the replacement. God always fills the void. He always fills the void. See, God will always touch your desires. He's a good father. He is not going to take something out of you or from you and never replace it with something better. See, an experience with God is found through praise and worship and the time you spend with him. He'll put something inside of you. He'll put something inside of you that will change your life. But you have to give him something. You have to give him something. Listen, I would rather have two cents to my name than a million dollars. I would rather have two cents to my name and praise God and never lose my praise than to have a million dollars and forget that he's the one that blessed me with it. It's not about money for us. It's about the things that are eternal And God is not going to be deterred. He is not going to be turned away by your problems, by your circumstances. You have a good God today. He is so excited about you. He loves you so much. He does love you. He cares about you so much. He wants your life to be more than what it is right now. you got a good life right now, but God wants to make it a better life. God has so much more for you. How can you put a cap on your life and say, we're, we've arrived when God is so big, when God is so much bigger than that? How can we say we know everything there is to know? I've read the Bible five times my entire life. So what? The devil knows the Bible. Is that too harsh? Well, I'm just being honest with you. Having knowledge doesn't do any good if you don't apply it. Right? That's why you pay somebody to get an education. So you can apply what you have learned why you learn a new skill so you can apply the skill by knowledge. Well, the word of God doesn't do any good unless we begin to apply it. And you have to realize you've got to read your Bible and get be simple about it. Don't be complicated about it. Don't go out there and feel like, oh, I can't read my Bible. I forgot my Strong's in Concordance. <sighs> I forgot my Bible dictionary. I forgot my expository dictionary today. I can't go out and read my Bible. It's not the right time. I just don't have it all together. You got to become like a little child and read that book like it's a love letter. You got to read that book like there's something in it for you and there is something in it for you. Those aren't just stories, folks. Those aren't just stories. 
those are the inspiration of the Spirit of God being written by the hands of humanity, scribing down what God wanted to convey to us here today. And that book is perfect. That book is perfect in this sense, that every prophecy came to pass concerning Jesus Christ, that everything that was said about him came to pass, that writers wrote those books at different times of their life in different eras, but they all coincide with each other. The book is made up of 66 books, and this one book compiled together that is flawless in the sense of it being interwoven with one message, and that is this, that his name would be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, and to his kingdom there would be no end. And to his government, he would put the, the government would be upon his shoulders. That means that he would carry the work and do the work. That book is about Jesus Christ. That book is about my Savior, your Savior, your God. And there are promises in that Bible that will cause you to go to another level if you'll just let them come out of your mouth every once in a while and give him some, give him some, some, some recognition in your life and, and let him know that he is still the king of kings in your life, to let him know that he is still your savior, that he is still your provider, that he is still your healer, that he is still your protector, that he is your God. You need to let it come out of your mouth if you want to see it in your life. Somebody praise him right now. Somebody give him some praise. Somebody give him some high praise. Somebody exalt him. Oh, bless the Lord. All my soul and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let us exalt his name together. I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my Mouth, my mouth, not your mouth. You mean your, yeah, that, that means your wife can't do all the praising for you. Your husband can't do all the praising for you. You have to learn how to praise God on your own. He said out of the mouths of babes and sucklings will his manifested deity and who his identity is be known. God is an awesome, I feel the anointing in this house. It's like this all the time. I thank God for that. But when we talk about the word of God, don't you feel him more? I mean, see, that's praise. We're praising God. There's something in the atmosphere. There's something in the atmosphere. I love what I feel when I come to church. Give God a hand clap for being here. This is Psalms 150. Psalms 150. Psalms 150 is known as the praise, you know, chapter of, of everything, of them using every instrument that they had available to them and, and identifying what God was doing and where God is and where to praise, where to praise him. It starts off by saying, praise the Lord. Then it goes, praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him and the firmament of his power. Okay? So right there, it begins to identify 
Where do you praise him? So we're in the sanctuary, right? Now, praise should not just be, shouldn't be confined just to these four walls. But in God's house, if we're not praising him, something's wrong because emphatically the, the, the writer says, praise him in this location. That's why when you come to church, you should always have your praise. I'm glad you brought your suit and tie, and I said you look good. But more than that, the criteria for coming to church here is make sure you have your praise on. Amen. You can come in shorts if you want to. That's up to you. No one's going to judge you. No one's going to look at you. No, I mean, be modest, all right? Nobody needs those Daisy Dukes going around there. Right? Those are out anyways, right? I don't know, but I'm just telling you, you'd be shocked. If I don't say that, someone's going to show up. Patrick said I can wear wherever I wanted to. <laughs> Not everything. You understand what I'm saying? Praise and worship is the most important outfit you can have on when you come to church. But in the sanctuary, that's why you have to go to a church. You have to be in an atmosphere where you can stand up and praise God when it's in order, right? Now, you know, there's some people that get crazy, and it's not God that's weird. It's people that get weird. I talked about that before. Some of us, you know, it just, I've been to some churches before where, you know, I did this weird dance last week. I'm not going to do it again. I feel like an idiot afterwards. The anointing gets on you, you do all kinds of stuff. You know, I've seen people throw out a, an Indian shout of praise right in the middle of service when nothing was even being said. And there goes every visitor. I'm going back to that place again. But, you know, when God moves in and he requires people to lift their voice and he calls for it, if we hold back, God's not going to keep asking us to do it. That's why every moment we have that God moves in a service, I don't want to take it for granted because he's passing by. And I don't want him to stop visiting us because we refuse to praise him. So in this church, if you're not a praiser, you're probably not going to fit in or be uncomfortable when you come. Because I'm going to encourage everybody, lift up your hands. Give God a shout of praise. And it may happen in this moment, but we're going to love on him. And we do it in unison. We do it in unity. We do it in agreement. We do it together. We do it like the children of Israel did it when they surrounded the walls of Jericho. At one time in that last time they went around the walls, that last time God instructed Joshua and told him to tell them, tell them all when they go that last time around Jericho to lift their, their voice and give me a shout of praise. You see, when everyone does it together in the same heart, in the same mind, that's when God comes in and he begins to shake some things, tear some things down in your life because your voice and your language has now agreed with what he really wants to do in your life. So praise him in the sanctuary. Praise him in this house. Praise him in the firmament, in his mighty firmament. I believe that's referring to the angels in that area, not only do we praise him in the earth, we praise him that he's being praised in the heavens. So God is continually being praised. He said to one, one person, he said, he said to one group of people, if you don't praise me, the rocks will cry out. Yeah, I've heard preachers say this, that God could give a rock a mouth. That's not what he was referring to. What he was referring to when you read the scriptures is that whenever Jesus left this earth 
in like manner. This is what I believe. You can go do the research yourself. But I believe that what he was trying to say was, it's the same thing that happened when Jesus left this world, that there was a cry in the earth and there was an earthquake and things began to move. What I believe he was saying is, if the world does not praise me, there's going to be chaos. There's going to be earthquakes. There's going to be problems. There's going to be things that are going to shake and evolve. The rocks will cry out and give me that recognition that I am the creator of the earth and I will shake all things but there's one thing that can't be shaken and that's the kingdom of God my kingdom cannot be shaken no matter what happens around you the kingdom of God cannot be shaken that's what I believe and then it goes on and says praise him for his mighty acts praise him according to his excellent grace and greatness so right here he's telling us how to praise him how to praise him so the first part of this scripture was where to praise him. Now the second part is how to praise him. Or what do we praise him for? I don't know how to praise God. It's right here. Praise him for his mighty acts. What has he ever done for you? The first mighty act should have been salvation. Deliverance. What has he done for you? Well, you know, many times you got to really ask yourself also this question. What has he kept me from? Sometimes it's not about getting your brand new tires in your car. God bless you with new tires. Sometimes it's about God making those tires last forever. It's like the children of Israel walking through the desert in the wilderness. Their sandals lasted forever. Their clothes lasted forever. There are some things that God has been doing for you in your life you have not recognized. And if you stop praising him and stop giving him the credit for all those good things, he's going to make sure that things are shaken and somebody's going to praise him. That's what I'm telling you. Because praise sustains our life and our blessings. Praise is inhabited by God. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Do you know how wonderful he is? Do you know who he is? Do you know his identity? And then it goes on further. And, and let me share this with you. Praise him with the sound of a trumpet. One instrument. Praise him with the lute and harp. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Now, now the timbrel is really what you're kind of used to, maybe in old church, right? You had that tambourine. Remember that? Remember one time when we first started this church, um, it was half the church, and back there was the youth area, and we had about maybe 70 chairs over here, and there was, no con there was just concrete, no carpets. Uh, the, the, the stage was no stage. We just had a little carpet uh, rug right here. And so when worship happened, we had metal chairs. So, you know, when worship happened, there was no sound barrier. Everything just kind of went everywhere. Right. I remember one time we had this 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 drama episode happen during church. We had this guy that used to come to church who loved to bring his own instruments. And he was a big old boy. And we had the drum set over here on this side. And he loved to sit over here on this side. But one service he brought a cowbell. Not a little cowbell. 
but a big cowbell. Kind that didn't need a microphone if you were playing in a concert. And he brought not just a cowbell, he brought a drumstick with it. And so, no, no. No, 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 no. No cowbell. And when we were playing, they were worshiping. Every time he hit that cowbell, because there was concrete on the floor, it went... Right? I can't do the right sound, but... Ding, ding, all the way across there. And the drummer, every time... Every, I'm not going to go too far. But every time he would hit it, the drummer would miss the beat. And there was a big argument over that. So the drummer comes up to me and says, Pastor, I, I just can't. I, I mean, I know he means well, but I just can't do it. I can't play because every time he hits that cowbell, and it was loud, but I was like right next to you. You can hear. And we were just, we didn't want to hurt his feelings. We were just trying to be kind. But I didn't realize that we allowed that to happen. But what, it was, going, what was going on is, is that it was distracting everyone else and throwing everyone off. Now, I appreciate if, you know, everybody, you know, some of us, somebody told me one time, why don't y'all have tambourines and do all that? Well, I'll tell you why. Because the cowbell. <laughs> and I love you all. And I don't, know if, I don't know if you're bringing one. I've never heard one. But all I'm saying is some of you, you think you can hold a beat. You can't. <laughs> God bless you. You just can't. You don't, I'm going to be the, I'm a friend. I'm going to be the first one to tell you, you don't have it and you weren't called to do that. Now, you can do it at home all you want to. Go crazy. I'll buy you two tambourines. I will buy you 10 cowbells. So I went and talked to him. I asked him, I said, man, I'm so sorry, but the cow, <laughs> the cowbells throwing everybody off. Well, he got so mad. That's my worship. I, I, I can't, I, other churches, let me go to those churches then. I'll be here. Here, let me walk you out the door. I love you. But we can't have the cowbell anymore. Now, see, God can use you without having to know an instrument. Loud symbols, clashing symbols. But here's what really got my eye and catches me every single time. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Breath. So this is what was required of the priest and the worshipers, when they came, this is what happened when they, when they did and had the coronation for Solomon. 
This is what took place whenever they had the triumphal entry for the Ark of the Covenant coming back in. David danced before the Lord because the Ark of the Covenant was coming in, and they would play instruments and do things. But not everyone knew how to do that. Not everyone had the, had the ability to. But then God levels out the playing field right here. God begins to throw one thing in there to let you know he saved the best for last. You are the most vital instrument in God's praise band. And it's not your ability to play an instrument. It's your ability to say the right words, to begin to release by faith what and who he is. Worship him in the power and excellence of his firmament. To worship him in the sanctuary. To worship him in home. To worship him in the car. To worship him in your problems. To worship him when you're in debt. To worship him. Look, if you can't worship him when you're in debt, you're probably not going to worship him when you're out of debt. If you can't worship him when you're in the struggle, you're not going to worship him when he gets you out of the struggle. You've got to worship him at all times and never allow any to shut your mouth. Somebody lift up your voice and give God some praise right now. Come on. Come on. Stand to your feet. Our mission here at Covenant Life Center is to help our world live, give, and love like Jesus. If our ministry has impacted you in any way, we would love for you to email us at info at clcvictoria.org. You can get connected with us through our social media at clcvictoria and download our app.